everybody, and welcome to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, a podcast that is all about board games and board games, and guess what? It's board games. Oh. Yeah. Well, ooh, that sounds like you've been wounded by the games. I'm joined by Ava Fox. Oh, too many board games staring all over me. You've been collapsed. They've all fallen on top of your head and crushed you. That's how I want to go out, really. <laughs> um, crushed by a board game. Well, maybe... When I actually get around to rearranging my big games cupboards, that is how I will die. That's that's gonna be, you know, we could we could live stream it uh, on Twitch, and it would be. Would that be against the terms of service on Twitch if someone died on screen if by one of the board well, games? If you didn't know they were gonna die at the beginning, it wouldn't be a snuff film. I think we'd probably have to take the vod down. Yeah, uh, <laughs> quite possibly. It might be sort of adding insult to injury if we lost Ava and also were banned from Twitch in just one brutal moment. <laughs> uh, let's not think about that too much. We're going to talk about some board games on this podcast. Who knew? We're going to talk about an expansion to a board game, the Marauder expansion for Root. We're going to talk about a very little board game in the form of Little Factory. And we're going to talk about something that isn't a board game in Tom's continuing <gasps> cheeky not game segment it is a game it's just not a board game <laughs> what I can we learn about games that aren't made of paper <laughs> have you heard there are these things outside of board games there are games that other people play Whoa. that are maybe they're made of computers it'll never catch on it'll never catch on Hello, just a very quick note here from Tom from the future. This section of the podcast, we're talking about the Root expansion, the Marauder expansion, and it gets a bit babbly. It gets a bit full of nonsense. It gets a bit weird because we talk about Root in the terms that Root talks about itself. So if you haven't played Root or haven't watched the video about Root, it's not going to make that much sense because we're talking about an expansion to a game that was a bit weird to begin with. Uh, so you might want to skip to a certain timestamp to listen to the next game. Or if you're happy with this just rambling, uh, then, then, then then hang out. I think it's quite a fun chat, even if you don't know what the hell is going on. I also forgot to mention that the Root Marauder expansion is designed by Patrick Lader, Nick Bruckman, Cole Worley, and Joshua Yearsley, with art by Kyle Ferrin, published by Leader Games. I forgot to put that info in. I just got so excited to talk about some rats. Uh, anyway, back to the podcast. Tom, 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 Tom. I hear... So I I like Root. You love Root. And Root's got new expansions out. And we've both had them delivered to us, I believe. Oh, I didn't recently. know you had you had one as well. No, I've got a copy of it. But oh. I probably... I I think I ordered it a very long time ago. And, <laughs> uh, and I probably... I don't know. I've not played any of the first expansion. Even the one that came in the first box. I still haven't played those factions. Really? I want to play more Root. Yes. But I'm bad at playing Root. Will this expansion fix me? No. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> if the thing that's holding you back from playing more Root is having to teach factions to people <laughs> and having to put rules in front of them, then adding more factions and rules, it's not gonna, it's not gonna help. I think it's I think I would be up for teaching stuff. I think the things that I'm worried about is can I put the new factions in front of new groups mm -hmm. and uh are the new factions actually going to excite me enough to make me like get that the the vive and verve and excitement that I want in order to be able to 
play Root again and dive back into that after I've already kind of fallen in love with Oath. And if I could ever play Root, I'd probably just ask people to play oh, Oath that's, instead. That's true. I did want to play some more Oath after playing more Root. But I did enjoy my new sessions with the Marauder expansion. I really like this expansion. And I think the answer to your second question, will these new factions excite you, might be yes. I think they're two Ooh. very, very strong factions added to Root. Whether they would be ones you'd want to put in front of new people, probably not. But this makes the game much easier to play as a two-player game. And I think teaching all of Root to just one other person is much easier than teaching all of Root to a table full of people where you have to explain not just their faction, but everyone else's factions. Like, it's sort of exponentially hard to teach the more people you have around a table. Um, but this game... Yeah, the, the teach has dead zones in it, doesn't it, right? Where you've got yes. to go and talk about other things. But this is enough faffy preamble, right? Like, let's get to the meat of this. Tell me about the Marauders. Maraud me, Tom. Let me, let me tell you. <laughs> That's like, yes and gone wrong. It was like, yes and with myself. Yeah, you yes and um, yourself into a hole. You got... Two new factions in the Marauder expansion, Ava. You've got the Keepers in Iron, and you have the Lord of the Hundreds. Uh, you also have, in this box, four hirelings, which are these little mini factions that you can kind of socket into the main game. We'll talk about those in a moment, but generally what they do is they mirror the base game factions. So in the Marauder expansion, you get the Forest Patrol for the cats, the Last Dynasty mirroring the birds, the Spring Uprising mirroring the Woodland Alliance, and the Exile mirroring the Vagabond. They're extra pieces that kind of simulate those factions having a presence, but they're not necessarily controlled by one player. We'll get back to that later on. But let me talk about the new factions first. So the Lord of the Hundreds is a giant pile of rats. Uh, this faction basically wants to burn everything to the ground. And every turn, they're going to move, they're going to smash. They're going to scoop up all these points for breaking stuff, just like any other faction. But along with them, you have these mob tokens. These uh, work very similarly to the Wooden Alliance tokens. When you leave them in clearings at the start of your turn, they will burn everything else in that clearing to the ground which is fun. Uh, this is really important for the Lord of Hundreds scoring criteria, which is to oppress clearings, which means they have rat pieces and only rat pieces in a clearing, no others. So basically you're sort of sweeping across the map, burning down as much as you can and keep it completely empty. Uh, the more clearings you manage to have nothing in, the better. Let me tell you about some fun twists, though, because that sounds pretty simple. That sounds kind of basic. This faction shouldn't be marked as moderately complex on the back, but it is. Let me tell you about the moderate complexity. Um, the first of their fun twists is that they also interact with the crafted items mechanic. Uh, if you haven't played Root, basically, factions can make items and hold them, and they sort of didn't really do much if you weren't playing with a very specific faction. Now, these rats can steal items away from you, and if they detonate a clearing with one of those mob tokens, they blast the ruins into the ground and take the item that's buried underneath. But why do they want those? Because your rat warlord, which is a larger rat piece <laughs> with a big flag, Ava has pulled a face of sheer delight at the mention of rat Tom, warlord. I'm so into this. <laughs> uh, your rat warlord wants to take all the items and put them in a big shiny hoard. And the more items they hoard in their big bag, the more actions they get to take on a turn. But, Ava, there's another little wrinkle because your warlord has a temper. And each turn, their mood, represented by a very slim deck of cards, will change. 
you could be jubilant or you could be wrathful or you could be bitter. Uh, and each of these different moods gives you a little bit of a bonus, but you can't be certain moods if you already have the associated item. <laughs> so a wrathful warlord wants a sword. Once they've got it, they calm down and they get to be something else now. <laughs> and I love that. The, the... Oh, wait, wait, does this game teach you that like if someone gets a bit too angry, the correct course of action is to give them a sword? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's like once they've been sated. Uh, because I really like how the, the final card in the stack of moods, once you have every item and therefore you can't pick all of the cards, the final one is lavish. And if you're lavish, <laughs> you give away items to do stuff. But then obviously you give away items and then you it's a circle of whatever. Uh, it's great. <laughs> It's good faction. That does um, that does sound brilliant. How uh, like give give us some give us a like quick fiddly to teach rating on that. I think they're actually it's more there's a weird sort of point of friction uh, that we found when playing with the rats, which is their objective is quite simple. You just sort of carve through the map and you destroy a bunch of stuff. But you do have this part of your turn where you have to choose your new personality, where it kind of locks up the flow of a turn. And there's a nice thing where once you've got certain items, you basically just put those cards in a stack. You get rid of them. You're like, I don't care about those because I can't use them. But then yeah, yeah, yeah. later, you know, you might manage to get some of those cards back by spending items from your hoard. You have this weird ebb and flow. Choosing that personality is maybe the fiddliest bit, but they're not too hard to teach because fundamentally they're one of these big swingy factions that's all about just destroying stuff. Their objective yeah. is just trash things. So they're very straightforward in that sense, but they have the right level of friction within within themselves, I suppose. Yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. Let's cool, talk cool. about some real fiddle though. Let's talk about the Keepers in Iron, which are one of the most complicated factions in Root, um, but they might be my new favorite faction out of <gasps> all of them because these badges- Better than the grumpy rat lord moody guy that eventually becomes lavish because that's <laughs> yes. like the sixth stage of the grief cycle. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, the, the, the hierarchy of needs pyramid. And right at the top, it's having all the items in your hoard. <laughs> um, lavish. The second major faction introduced in the expansion is the Keepers of Iron. These are uh, armored badges. Uh, they are basically a woodland SWAT team. They have entered the forest trying to find and recover a certain number of relics that are scattered in the forests, which are the sort of big wooded spaces between the clearings that you actually take actions in. Uh, they need to find the relics that are buried in those forests. The way they do this is they have a retinue that works very similarly to the parliament that the birds have. You have a bunch of cards at the top of your board um, and you use those cards to take actions. If you have a card in the move slot, you get to move. A card in the battle and delve slot, you get to battle and delve. But what are those things? What are those actions? Let me tell you about delving. Delving is how you're going to get... <laughs> I've, I literally have just become like deeply self-conscious of the fact that if you don't know about Root and you're listening to this podcast, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my God, do we have to jump in and explain Root quickly? <laughs> so basically, Root's this big cool game where you... <laughs> no, that would be... It would be too much. We should... I might actually go back in time and put a little disclaimer at the start of this segment and be like, this is pure babble if you haven't played Root. And then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and now people will hear the origin of that now. It'll be a fun little time thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll put I'll put a sting into go. that. I gave effect. you a little time travel. Oh no, yeah, you, you gave me one. No need to no need to make one. You you did one. You did one. Tell me about delving, Tom. Tell me about delving. Delving is how you're going to get those relics. Basically, you battle in a clearing, and then you can pull a relic out of the forest and put it in that clearing with those badges. The problem is, when you flip over that relic, it'll have a number on it. 
That number is how many clearings around that forest you have to rule to retrieve that relic. Um, if you don't rule a certain number of clearings, that's fine. You just get rid of the card you used to do the action. So you lose a card out of your little retinue. Does that make sense? It's easier to show than it maybe is to teach. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so like, essentially, like in order to do it, you have to be completely surrounded. And if you don't do that, you lose a bit of one of the resources that you've got to do actions for the rest of the game, right? Yes. So is it like the eerie where you are building up mm -hmm. actions and then occasionally losing them? Yes. But this time it's like a little lose rather than a everything has gone wrong and the whole system collapses. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. crucial difference is that you may take those actions in your retinue. So if you skip an action, that's fine. Whereas if you were the birds previously, you'd, you know, your whole parliament falls apart. With the badgers, yeah. it doesn't matter. You can just skip over it. That's okay. Um, but the, the way this pans out in the game, right, is that you know which relic you want to go and retrieve and you sort of create a perimeter, lock down the relic, and then you have to bring uh... it back and you do the last bit of your action, which is uh, recover. And to recover, you have to bring that relic with your troops back to like a way station where you can then cash it in for points. And that has its own little mini game where you need to rule some clearings as well. Wow. So it's like big military operations almost, right? Yes. So this is like presumably like a giant faction with uh, a, a heavy armor that it needs to coordinate and kind of like, right, we're going to infiltrate the forest. We're going to dig here. We've got to surround it to keep it safe. And then we've got to get stuff out. So it's like a heists almost. Yes. But like military level heists, i.e. I guess that's just, I guess that is marauding, isn't it? <laughs> I yeah. suppose it is. But what this, yeah, you, you, you've you hit it on the head. Like what it feels like is this sort of like hyper nomadic, very mobile faction that's very opportunistic. But each turn kind of feels like a mission because there's this cute little mini game where you have this uh, little box where you keep all your retrieved relics and if you fill up a row that doesn't do anything but filling up columns so if you diversify your relic portfolio you get some <laughs> extra points so you kind of know which uh, ones you're going to target each turn uh the yeah. thing that's really horrible about this though those relics right you pull them out the ground they're a token which people can smash and they get a point if they smash them like any other token in route however these are worth double points so they're extra valuable for people to go and smash. So as soon as you pull it out the ground, you're like, run, run, run. <laughs> because if you don't, someone's going to come after it and try and trash it. Namely, the rats, which is where this nice little two-player dynamic yeah. comes in. You have these rats who want nothing in clearings. They want to completely burn everything to the ground. And then these badges that are trying to work in and, and just sort of find openings to, to achieve their own little goal. Um, it's quite delightful. It's a lovely little setup um, for, for a two-player game that comes in that box. It's interesting. When you talk about these missions, is it like you're supposed to do one over the course of the turn or is it like a multi-turn quest to try and get these steps? It starts off, the way that you scatter the relics is really nice. You start off with lots of relics that are like close to home, close to your start mm. clearing, and those ones feel like ones you can just get. But then there are often two relics per forest deeper in. So then towards the end of the game, you have this thing where you're sort of establishing a forward base and then sending people out to capture and bring them back in. And those can span over multiple turns. There's Your last action is move or recover. So if you had a load of cards in that slot, you could do you know two moves and then recover as your last one. But in the early game especially, those will take place over multiple turns of, of, of staging this grand heist of a, of a jewel that you found in a cave somewhere. You have definitely made me excited about Root again. Uh, do you want to tell me a little bit more about Hirelings? Or yeah. Or do you want to go to your final thoughts? 
I will, I'll briefly talk about the hirelings because I think they're cool. Uh, basically, these are like mini factions and uh, control of them will sort of flop around during the game. First person to get a certain number of points gets to take a hireling, but they only get it for a few turns before then having to hand it over to someone else. And these hirelings can do little things. Like, for example, uh, there is the exile is my favorite so far. It's basically a big bear that lives in the forest. And while the bear is inactive, you can go over to it and you can give it an item. If you give it an item, you get a point and you get a card. Ha! Delightful. Aww. Why would I not do that? Because when the bear wakes up, it will just charge around the forest and it will clobber people with all the items that you gave it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when does it wake up? Uh... So it will wake up when people get a certain number of points. That person right, then becomes the yeah. controlling faction. They have use of the bear for a few turns before having to hand it over to someone else. But obviously, uh, they're... Well, not obviously. Nothing about this is obvious. Uh, <laughs> their movement and damage is determined by how many items they were given in the rounds before or during you could give the bear a club and then tell it to go and whack someone over the head um there's some like you know there's birds and they'll give you the you know all these basic factions that are in the marauder expansion will give you a power associated with their faction so the wooden alliance can start yeah. little mini rebellions the birds help you rule clearings the vagabond is a personal vagabond a personal henchman you can send out uh, they're cool. nice. I kind of like that there's almost like a, a, a risk of sounding awful. I kind of like that there's a, a cinematic universe style vibe there, right? Where like <laughs> you're playing this game and you've got the option for like, oh, look, it's one of the characters from our other game, right? So mm. it's like, ah, oh, yeah, the, one of the sidekicks of the Avenge bots has come over i'm <laughs> pretending i don't know anything about the mcu when i'm actually a massive nerd um but yeah so one of these side characters comes in and appears and you get to see and be like reminded that there's a bigger wider world out there it does yeah. sound like it's expanded route a lot right at this point like that this is now a universe of stuff you can dive into i think that this in terms of yeah making the base game bigger this is probably the most uh dense expansion they've put out mm. so far it's two factions and four hirelings and they change how you can play the game pretty dramatically and the two factions they've added are kind of the factions that people were after which are these big sort of swingy militant factions that will sort of take over lots of the board at once which is kind of what people want uh they want like two of them fighting and then maybe one of the other like you know more weird and odd factions like the crows or or or, or the vagabond or something and there is loads of stuff in the back of the booklet that is about like ways of fitting all of this stuff together right like it feels like i, I read some bits of the manual and i saw that there's like a rationalization of how you make sure that there's enough stuff in each <laughs> game for it to function because at this point there's so many different combinations and it would be awkward if you picked the wrong three so there's more systemization yeah. there is that right there's suggestions of what to pick and in certain player counts you'll have a certain mixture of hirelings hirelings can either be promoted or demoted a promoted hireling basically has board presence demoted just gives you like a fun little extra ability and at higher player counts they don't recommend having all these extra pieces thrown to the board it would be too chaotic i will say that one of the things that this expansion has done that might put some people off and they might think it's going in a direction that they don't want route to go or even though i think it has been going that way for a while which is you do have something that is more 
wonky, more simulation-y, less balanced and competitive, and much weirder. That's especially true of the hirelings, where their control swinging from player to player all the time adds a lot of unpredictability and, like, table talk into the game, which isn't, you know, this tight sort of war game that some people might be after in the box. But that's not what I think Root is. I think, fundamentally, it's an engine for, like, fun, weird interactions. And, and, yeah. and this delivers a lot more of that. Um, it, it sounds like a, a in that front. It sounds like an oathification of roots, <laughs> right? In terms of like ramping up on the stories and the doing interesting things. But now it's just it, there's just so many things that you can throw into that toy box, right? So yeah. like that simulationist approach to it is really entertaining. Like I couldn't do the maths on how many viable combinations there are of games that you can play with that system. There's now. so many. But there's so much variety there that that is exciting and overwhelming. And like this yeah. is kind of the problem with expansions is that once you start getting excited about expansions, you don't know whether you're going to be able to do much more with it. We right? sat down to play it the other day and it dawned on me how crazy that box has become where I had to explain like two entire new factions and a whole new system. And we were using a whole new map at the same time. And it was like teaching the whole... Like they knew base game route but it felt like teaching the whole game again just to get this stuff in yeah, which yeah, is yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. i think some people are down for that and i think this does better at lower player counts i wouldn't want to play this i you know i wouldn't want to play with all these hirelings and stuff at high player counts i still think that just the factions are enough um for that yeah. um but anyway that's it's cool. a cool expansion i think it's probably my favorite one that they've put out uh, so far in terms of stuff i really like those badges they are so much fun uh we'll probably have more thoughts on all the root stuff further down the line uh so so stay tuned to to shut up wow i'm really bad at like doing a promo thing stay, stay tuned shut to, up shut and up and tune down shut up and st oh, wait right. and stay wait right. hop, oh, um jesus tom that's a bit it's a bit much <laughs> I always get really worried that my neighbors hear me hear me recording the podcast, but only the bits where I go loud. So they'll hear me be yeah, like, yeah, yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll hear nothing throughout the day, but then they'll hear me go like, yeah, baby. And then they'll hear like, shut <laughs> up. I refuse. I refuse to believe that there's any way your neighbours don't hear you say, yeah, baby, <laughs> all the time, Tom. That's true. That's true. Ava, I think it's time for me to ask you about Little Factory. Uh, it is time for you to ask me about Little Factory. Little Factory is a little thing Hold that on. just popped in. I need, to ask, I need to ask you about Little Factory. Ava, Let can, uh, Ava, can you tell us about little factory please little factory is a little thing that we decided to like we wanted to collaborate and like have a little bit of a game because we haven't played a game with each other in a while weirdly it's true um haven't. things haven't lined up that way um so we jumped into a little game just before the podcast and had like so this is super early impressions of a game that's just appeared on board game arena uh, called little factory uh, that i was a bit excited about because i kind of like yellow's production values they're a publisher and quinn's quite like little towns and it was a game that i uh haven't had a chance to play despite getting it immediately on the basis of quinn's like actually like quite gentle recommendation but it was anyway. quite gentle yeah you're right yeah i know i just like a cozy game like, i bet you he's as... not thought about it since i know i know i've got like this reputation for being like the lover of like 
fiddle and ridiculousness but actually like Quinn's talking about something really cozy it still gets me and I'm just like <laughs> oh that sounds nice even though I'd you've like seen to... behind the curtain even though uh, I've seen behind the curtains yeah. I don't know exactly yeah. how cozy Quinn's house is um <laughs> I don't know I don't even know what I'm implying there like, <laughs> <laughs> um anyway Little Factory is a small quick uh resourcey conversion type game uh it's designed by Shun and Aya Taguchi um and with art by Sabrina Miramon um and it is that sort of cutesy uh oh what's that word that's like agricultural but not like pastoral? domestic pastoral yeah. it's a cutesy little pastoral game uh where you are it's called little factory but it's actually lots of little factories yeah uh, I was going to say that very little about this feels like a factory. It feels like a, a town or a village, but they've done town already and village well, might be too similar. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that is probably the vibe of it. Although, as we all know, it does take a village to raise a factory. <laughs> that's funny to me. I don't know if that's funny to everyone else. I think what's that like, from? <laughs> what's that from? It takes a... What? It takes a village to raise a child, is the saying normally. It's just a saying, isn't it? Yeah. It's just a saying. No, I've been watching Old Enough, and they say it a few times in Old Enough. Yeah, no, I mean, it's true. It's a really interesting thing about how, like, social connections is how things make. And actually, my friend Hal, who you've met, like, Mm. is quite interested in that, like, kind of early uh, agrarian pastoral fantasy and how, like, actually especially around here the birth of industry uh i'm here by here i mean like the north of england mm. um the birth of industry actually came from destroying a load of little tiny cottage things where it was like <laughs> someone in this house had a job and then the person in the next house over had a job and someone would have a job of like walking between places and picking stuff up and taking it to places and it's that kind of like slightly uh, well it's a sanitized and anodized version of that that is being presented in little factory what a segue sh- what a segue i don't know where <laughs> that distraction came from it's probably gonna get cut <laughs> so little factory is a game you start off with um some uh gold which you are able to trade for anything that's on the board that is worth that amount of gold um now the board is made up of these rows of stuff that you can get so at the bottom there is these fields of very cheap things if you're paying with money uh but also those are things that you can just produce off the bat later in the game and just say right i need some clay i'm gonna grab some clay um and then in the way of a lot of uh resource management games like those resources can be turned into the stuff on the second tier so then there's another row of stuff and it's like oh you've got some wheat uh and you've got some wood maybe that means you can build a sheep uh which is a little bit odd but i guess you're building a barn for the sheep to go (laughs) yeah and then luring the sheep with the grain Uh, Uh, i think that might be slightly closer to how it works in the real world um uh, yeah so you get a sheep and then on the next tier there might be like some other bits that you can make out of sheep or you can make out of bricks or you can make and then the top row is a load of other cards and it's all buildings like exciting buildings that need multiple things and will give you a little action at the beginning or end of your turn that let you just activate some of the stuff you've got and so you're just building a route up this thing the things at the top the buildings are worth points you're racing to get 10 points before anyone else does and 
Yeah, production is weird because you can only kind of do one thing per turn. So I, I had a game, well, I had a thing where I'd eventually struggled and produced up and I turned some wheat and got some coal and turned it into flour and then turned that flour into bread with some more coal. And it's like, oh, this is quite a big journey for some coaly bread. But then the bread was worth loads of money and mm. you can't build a house out of it, but you can buy stuff that you can build a house out of it. And so this is what the game is, is finding a route through this production tree to get these fancy buildings, which are worth points. That's nice. I quite liked it. The wrinkle that is probably the bit that is not so fun about it, but maybe the thing that makes it a little bit more accessible is that for some reason you need to the the cards need to be available to you in order to turn them into something else so if i've got obviously if i want to make planks of wood i need to have some wood but there also needs to be wood on the market already so it's kind of like nonsensically trading planks of bits of wood for planks of wood i guess it's like a yeah. a, a traveling carpenter who's like occasionally in town but it makes so little thematic sense and that's kind of fine because it is just a turning things into other things game but like also frustrating right because like it's like oh right i know i'm gonna pick this route and i'm gonna build this and this and this and then just being like oh no someone else has bought today's sheep <laughs> it's very frustrating that when you've just got a cow and you want to milk your cow, but the cow isn't going to produce milk because there isn't any milk in the market. It's yeah. a really odd little system there uh, that is yeah. a bit of a bit of a wrinkle that I, I definitely wasn't fond of uh, in yeah. this game. Um, I think that maybe because I was approaching it the wrong way, I was sort of approaching it as a game that was like all about, you know, you build an engine, then you just crank that engine. But really, I think it's meant to be a bit more about adaptability. Um, yeah. Like... I had a sheep for ages and I just had that sheep sitting there and that sheep, you can use a sheep. You can just show it to everyone on the table. You can say, I have a sheep. And then that gets you yarn for free. Basically you don't have yeah. to trade up for it. Like you normally would have to. Um, the thing is, is that for a lot of the game, there just wasn't any yarn in the market. And what I probably should have done was butchered my sheep or, or sold my sheep to make a house for the cow that I then bought and maybe that cow was going to suffer the same <laughs> fate that cow can after. be turned into victory points <laughs> exactly um yeah yeah it's definitely like it it's it looks like it's going to be one type of resource conversion game where it's like ah, i can build an engine that means i will be able to do this and it's actually a slightly different one where it's like you are buying tickets that might pay off later and get you the thing you want if the thing is there at the right time um, mm. and probably we were playing on bga so possibly like playing in person you might get a better sense of what people are doing and what they're taking and be able to like second guess a little and like avoid other people's plans but at the end of the day a lot of it just comes from what is drawn out of the card next oh yeah. i'd been planning on building a wall and there's no walls now i guess i'm going home um which is frustrating but it's i don't know i think it's you're allowed to be frustrated in a game that will probably take about half an hour or so right that's the thing is that i you f i find it very hard to be like super critical of this game because of how pacey it would probably be on actual table and how yeah, yeah. deliriously cheap it is for something like yeah. this and i feel like it you know i often find it tricky when you have a, a a game where the solution or the balance is just to play it multiple times in a row and then then whoever wins out of mm. you know best of three is the whatever but that feels like the setting that you want to play this game in in a weird way it's oh, so fast 
I um, don't know. I mean, I think that is, we've always got to remember that that kind of random chance thing is nice because it stops the person who is best at games from always winning the games, which is the thing <laughs> that can be really off-putting for new people. So I think there's That's like true. a nice accessibility in... I know uh, a friend of mine said that they play with someone sometimes who is like, if I can't win in my first game if I can't know that I've got a solid chance of winning in my first game, I have no interest in playing the game, mm. right? And like, I'm almost the opposite. Like, if I win on my first game of something, I'm normally like, oh, well, it can't be that interesting. But yeah, I think there's a whole range oh, so of So is that what you think about, uh, that what you think about Little Factory after, uh, after being, want, being no, us No, I, like, I immediately looked into getting a copy because like, I think it's really cute and I like <laughs> cute things that you can just put in front of people and be like, hey, let's build us things and then when there is things that don't make any sense you just come up with a silly story about why that's happening it's like yeah oh no it looks like the cow milk is not here even uh, though <laughs> even though they're they're not the most direct comparison they're quite different games i still think for the price point i think little town is a sharper game uh, in 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 my opinion, I think that if you were to get one of these ones, I would look at getting Little Town first because I still think it's just as approachable. But I think there's a depth to that one that I don't know if this one has. Or I was less frustrated in my plays of Little Town versus with this, I had many turns where I didn't really know what I should be doing and working it out. I felt like wasn't that exciting. Hmm. I just found it quite soothing, and I was you did. It, it yeah. was. It is soothing. It is soothing. But I'm becoming unsoothable. <laughs> How quick, quick, get this for your sword. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, on this podcast, we're going to break protocol again. We did it last week by talking about a nice little mobile game called Square Valley, but um, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again because can't be sated. Uh, Ava. Both of us, I think, have been playing a little bit of Not Words. That is K-N-O-T Words. It is a mobile game from Zach Gage and Jack Schlesinger. It's kind of a cross between a Sudoku and a crossword puzzle. Uh, It's a very sharp little logic game. It has a few teething problems. I had some bugs and some crashes and stuff. But that core is super delightful. Uh, and I just, I just wanted to get space to recommend it because I've been kind of obsessed with it. Like I'm <sighs> hooked. I think it's so great. I've been doing it on like a little lunch break or before bed or like Aww. at any spare moment I have, I'll just be like, oh, I'll just pop in and do a bit of a knotwords. It has the format is it has puzzle books. Uh, so you get thirty puzzles in each book a month. Uh, there's two. You'll get two books a month, a regular and a tricky one. That's if you've paid for the proper version. I think you only get like. A, a small number if you keep the free version yeah. um but the regular but stuff I've, there is enough in that thing that you can play for free right so you can yes. give this a go right now and then yeah yeah cool it's it got daily challenges i think is the whole thing it has a daily uh a, a daily regular and a daily twist puzzle so you'll always get a little drip feed i think those are in the free version um but i'm so hooked that it's we're recording this in the early part of may and i've already finished one of the puzzle books I've done all 30 in one of them, <laughs> plus the challenges on every single wow. day. So if that's not a recommendation, I don't know what is. Um, it's a nice thing, isn't it? And like, yeah, I thought we could talk about this because like, obviously the craze that has been sweeping the nation and we are coming in at the point where actually it's died out quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> everyone got obsessed with Wordle, uh, which is another daily puzzle word game. Uh, I've now got a little folder on my phone called Erdles. 
because there's just so many of these little things that are I don't know I'm finding it like quite psychologically healthy to have like a little list of jobs to do in the morning that are weird things for my brain to do and Mm. like what have I got now I've got one that I've got Wordle the original although it's actually like an idea that was like re-implemented from a quiz show from from decades ago apparently from uh, fallout um, new vegas from believe, fallout well. new vegas yeah no it's, <laughs> it's just a text ve- version of fallout new vegas yeah that you play every play once a day um yeah. uh what else have i got i've got world all uh which is the outline, i like that one the outline of a map and you've got to figure out where it is and it's kind of like it's a very different sort of puzzle yeah and then there's uh there's quirdle which is horrible because it's four wordles at once mm. uh there's uh movie dull which does not work no that uh, is not good yeah, it's, it's a horrible horrible thing to say but uh it's like playing an entire film for you in uh one second and seeing whether you can get it and if wow. you don't get it you get two seconds and if you don't get it you get three seconds and <laughs> you get four seconds so you just see more and more little flashes of stuff obviously wouldn't work for tom because uh tom hasn't seen any films i've not seen a in my life not seen any single films uh but yeah and i just think like because we're i think because we like games word games are kind of adjacent like i like some of the word games that come out as board games but like it's nice to see people getting like excited about a little puzzle and just being like oh i just want a little dose of game every day um yeah and i yeah i've been doing that for a long time with board game arena stuff and just having these slow motion games going on in the background where it's like oh every morning i'll take a look at my turns and see what i've got to do at the end mm. of the day it's like oh i've got some more turns and i'll take some turns at some games playing ludicrously slow games of uh ultimate railroads or russian railroads <laughs> i believe <laughs> Or uh, what's the other one? Feast for Odin. I've actually finally got a bit into Feast for Odin after normally being <gasps> a bit of a naysayer uh, yes. because uh, I can play it super, super slowly and have time to like look at all of the options on that. Definitely there's too many spaces on that board. I, like, I do still think that like there's too many things you can do on any one turn in Feast for Odin, but like, it's nice because <laughs> these little bite-sized lumps of games. Anyway, Erdl's are fun. Uh, and I mostly just wanted to get us talking about this because Tom loves not words. I'm just getting into it. Uh, and Erdles is a cool word to say. And I want more people to it start is. calling them Erdles. Because uh, I think it's uh, like painfully, uh, it makes me do a little shudder. Really? Uh, I quite like a it. A little Erdl. bit of jod at the same time. Erdle. It's a nice um, Erdle. Erdles. It's a nice word. Uh, yeah, do we do, we haven't even explained how not words work. So are we going to, or are we just going to let people do that themselves? It's free. Uh, it's Go free. It you can yourself. just you can if if you want the hook. I think it, calling it a cross between a Sudoku and a crossword puzzle is 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 pretty simple. Basically, you have uh, what looks like a crossword, but each it has no clues uh, except for each individual uh, set of boxes. Each sort of collection they're sort of cut up in a weird tangled way, and each of those letters can fit somewhere in that sort of knot. I suppose, is the way of thinking of it. And it's about organizing those letters in the right way to create words uh, in every kind of direction, much like a crossword. It's quite hard to explain, I've realized, in trying to explain yeah. it. But it's very simple. There's a nice little tutorial. Once you get into it, it's great. But it has this really lovely motion of, like, you kind of find a word that you know is right 
And then you sort of use that as a hook to kind of break in and solve from that point. And it's a very, very viscerally satisfying thing where you kind of build out this web of words. Um, yeah. I think it's And great. every single time you look at a blank grid, it is very much like, how could I possibly do this? Yes. And then you see your anchor and you see something. It's like, oh, that's probably that or that's going to be that. And then things cascade out of it. Like there's room for a lot of it. I do really like a well-crafted puzzle, right? Yeah. And I think that... The thing that's interesting to me about Wordle is that I think it's very, very, very cleverly designed at the micro level to make you feel cleverer than you are mm. and to make you feel like you're like, oh, this is going to be impossible. I'm never going to be able to do this. And then this moment of like, aha. And that's what people are getting addicted to with these things, right? Is that yeah. the set of aha. Um, and that's what I think is relevant to games, right? Is like, how do these games be designed like one of the ones that i'm doing every day i'm still doing it every day because i quite enjoy it because i like a bit of film nerdery but framed.wtf is the only one i've allowed in the folder that isn't called erdl <laughs> um called something erdl and i don't know why it's called uh frame wtf i don't know what wtf stands for uh for example what the film what the film yeah exactly what's the film um uh, and that is just like frames from a film so like movie doll it's about identifying a film but you get a frame and then you get another frame and you get another frame and eventually but it's clearly been built right mm. because once you've played it a bit you notice that the first bit the first frame is always something that is a little bit out of context and you wouldn't immediately think of the film and the last one is like the most iconic object right. from the film that's so nice you always get it at about the same point unless it's a film you know really well and it's just I like see. uh but yeah but i like a puzzle that's taken the time to think about that and this is just me rambling on about i think i did this with the advent calendar the exit <laughs> advent calendar thing that we did last year and we talked about on our uh what's it podcast our or shucks podcast yeah i think so yeah we talked about that there he's like i think in another world i could be someone that reviews puzzles and i think <laughs> that it would be such a weird little thing because there's right. more in there than you'd think no i i i get you i th i definitely had that point of frustration with wordle where i realized that like almost always I would get it in I think four like three yeah. or four and it feels like a puzzle that is like it will be satisfying almost every time because like sometimes you'd get those things where where you, you just it could be so many things and whether you get it in three or six is just dependent on which random letter you choose to put yeah. in that slot and that cuts away from the satisfaction slightly and I think that not words is one of those things where it manages to maintain its satisfaction across the time because you can genuinely make some really clever little logical deductions and you can you know work out exactly what something is going to be based on both your vocabulary and just an intuition about like what could go where um i think it's more puzzly than wordle is i suppose yeah is the way to yeah put it. yeah definitely and definitely really designed and designed yes. to be like each of these puzzles has clearly been thought about and that's why it's eliminated like built that way rather than it being it's, like well a web the puzzles are actually randomly generated are they they're generated oh, yeah oh well that's blown my theory out of the water <laughs> anyway we've got on too long about stuff that isn't on topic and the topic is board games and you can join us for more board games next week.
on the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. I don't know board what that podcast games, is going to be. Games, we'll find board out. Games, board, board games, board games, board games, board games, board games. I was thinking about just ramping this out to the uh, end, but I think that would be kind of too terrifying for the <laughs> listeners. It's nice ending on a nice little goodbye, I think. It like, is, I think that isn't it? Ending I enjoy... with a goodbye is a classic, isn't it? A goodbye it and then like a little half a joke and a snicker at the end is my favourite, I think. Yeah. I don't but think... I don't we, we could try and organise that, but I don't think it would have the same effect now they've seen behind the curtain. Yeah, I'm no, really viscerally aware of the fact that the, the outro music is probably ramping up at this point. And oh, dear, oh, no, it's coming oh, to get oh, us. It's coming, it's coming oh, to get oh, us. Oh, okay, bye. 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 <laughs>